0: Hey, one more thing before you go. What do you get when you marry art and science through the tempering process of a unique spiritual knowledge with practical living experience? You bridge the gap between philosophy and real life experiences within the pages of a guidebook that can help you understand that living through alchemy can create a transformational journey to freedom. Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with a woman who did just that and more. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch. This is The Thing About Alchemy and the Female Nomad. My guest in this episode is Vivi Tai. She's a writer, a truth seeker, healer, and fearlessly determined to live a free lifestyle regardless of others' opinions. She was an international student here in the United States, earning a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering at Texas A&M and a Master of Biomedics Engineering from Cornell University. She worked here as well as go to college up until her visa ended, and she moved to Canada. She started a new life there as an immigrant from Vietnam and embarked on a -a one-of-a-kind nomadic journey. It was then that she uncovered her true life's purpose, to help others to find their path of freedom, to live their authentic selves, because only then can we all be living a fulfilled life of happiness. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Michael. Uh, I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me on the show
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, you've got an amazing journey. And your journey, um, obviously, as we said in, the, in your intro, was very international. So I know that you moved to the United States um, uh, to become a student, correct? Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And where did you when move from? When I was in high school uh, uh, at 17, 17 years old from Vietnam. So... Um, The story about that was, I actually got um, a scholarship for, uh, to be an exchange student in high school. It was more like a synchronicity for me uh, when that happened because I didn't intend to go to the US and I just attended like an English competition in Vietnam. And the prize for that was a one year. Um, going to the US as an exchange student and the contest was more like something fun for me and just a friend invited me to go to the contest and I just happened to win that contest even though I didn't take it seriously so I was very surprised how that happened but ever since that changed my life uh, completely. And that year was the turning point for me, the year 2003. Uh, I traveled along by myself for the first time uh, being a teenager and just went out there and explored the world. And I can remember the feeling it was fascinating and exhilarating. I couldn't believe that I actually got to see America
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's really unique that they had a, had a contest that um, that brought that opportunity about that was a contest within Vietnam or contest based out of the United States uh,
1: I think it was the collaboration between uh, the school in the US and some agency in Vietnam um, I think it was linked to like an English school in Vietnam. So, um, I think going abroad to study at that time started to get popular in Vietnam and, um, a lot of kids wanted to go and study abroad as well. Mm -hmm. But a, a lot of parents were not, um, ready for it because some kids were like, they they could leave Vietnam at 16 years. I I think that was the youngest at 16 years old and I was 17 at that time. Um, But I, I remember it was something like freedom to me. That was like my first taste of freedom. And I was like overly excited instead of scared, even though I didn't have any intention to go to the US. I wanted to go to Canada if I could have a chance to study abroad, but just it just happened that that was the contest from the U.S. I think so. I think it meant to be. So
0: that that brought that brought you to uh, like like the. I know we have exchange students here from my uh, actually friends and colleagues of mine that have uh, had exchange students. My relatives actually they host exchange students from different countries. Mm-hmm. So when you mm-hmm. come over, did, did you get hosted from, with a family that then uh, you went to, you finished your high school here or, or was it a college opportunity?
1: It was high school. Um, so I finished my 11th grade back then in Vietnam, but they didn't let me to attend 12th grade in the US because of my English, because I wasn't, uh, I didn't know so much about all the terms, like scientifically in science courses and math courses. So I had to take everything from 11th grade again. I actually never graduated high school, <laughs> I got a GED. In, in order to go to college. So I never had 12th grade, either in Vietnam or in the U.S. <laughs> so, I could stop there at 11th grade.
0: Wow. So when you came here and you were hosted <laughs> to come here, then then they did not put you in a high school here?
1: They put me in high school, but they put me in 11th grade.
0: Oh, 11th grade. Uh, yeah. That makes-
1: yeah. But I already finished that level in Vietnam. So I could attend 12th grade, but because they said English was not your first language. So you have to attend 11th grade again.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's, I, it I, didn't I, make any
1: that much difference for me because I thought, no. you know, um, with math level, I was already at the advanced level. I knew everything from calculus. We had to study calculus um, in Vietnam, like at, uh, at 10, 11th grade in Vietnam already and that's at the level that you would learn in university and college. So no, um, not, not even at 12th grade. So it's like at 11th grade, I was like, I could do this, it's easy. So I didn't really take it seriously. Only with history classes and some literature class that I struggled with a little bit because of my English back then. Uh, even though like I, I passed the contest, but the contest was like really basic. It's very basic mm-hmm. English, you know then it gives you the chance to um, study English further when you go and live and study in the US. And learning a language,
0: basic, yeah. Yeah, learning a language, obviously, is, well, we had this conversation before we started recording. About learning new languages and how difficult it is sometimes to readapt to a new language and and learn it uh, with well, I, as I said, I tried to learn Mandarin and got about three words in and said I'm not going <laughs> to do this. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, but
1: it wasn't it wasn't very difficult for us to learn English in Vietnam. It was the second language that we had to learn in Vietnam back then, so we had to start from. I wouldn't say elementary school, but from junior high, that we have to learn English in school. Because not with speaking, but with grammar and a little bit of writing, just grammar and writing that we had to learn in public school. So, and beside that, I have English tutoring at home as well. I was a very studious kid and i spent a lot of time studying like just go uh, from school and back home studying and go to tutor classes so i didn't like when i was a kid i didn't spend that much time hanging around with friends i spent most of my time studying and that's the reason why my parents wanted to invest in me and Especially my mom, she wanted me to study abroad, and she didn't hold me back when um, I won that scholarship. And she she like if you want to go, then I would let you go. And if you want to study, stay there and and uh, go on with college and universities, then I would support you. You know, because. Um, because I was, like, in top of my class at that time, and that's why my parents was very supportive and let me study in the U.S.
0: You know, that's always nice when you have parents that are very um, uh, supportive in regard to wanting their children to move forward, you know, in any aspect of it, especially leaving the country completely. Do you have any brothers or sisters?
1: I do. I have big family. I have a, a younger brother and three older brother and sister, one older sister and two older brothers. Uh, I, my second oldest brother passed away before I was born. So five of us in total <laughs> and, and countless numbers of relatives.
0: <laughs> oh Yeah. Well, yeah, my family on my grandmother's side, I, my wife was like astounded because she's a single uh, single child. She's only one. She doesn't have any brothers and sisters. And um, the first family reunion we went to my mother's side, I had forty five cousins. <laughs> she she comes <laughs> around like, Holy smokes, all these people? <laughs> yeah, whole new experience. Yeah,
1: I my my mom has a big family. Uh, my dad only have his brother, I think an older sister as well, but my mom has like more than 10 siblings. I think that 12 or 16, I think 16 brother and sister, Mm. but she was an orphan when she was little because she was the second youngest and my grandparents, which is my mother's parents, they passed away when she was only 10 years old. So she was technically raised by her older siblings.
0: Yeah it's life sometimes puts us in a direction that we don't always want, but sometimes it builds us a, a better, stronger me as they grow yeah, up. That you know?
1: was yeah, and that was during the war, the, the Vietnam War. Um, I think the, the world War and in 1945, um, my mom was born in 1961. So yeah, that's uh, during the Vietnam War. Vietnam. And that was the reason why she's she's very strong and she's an amazing businesswoman. And that's why she has very high expectation of me, especially when it comes to financial stability. And that's why she invested a lot of her savings into my education.
0: Which which but, is a very unique education. I mean, when you, you decided to go to school, uh, to continue school here, you got your GED, and then you decided to enter college, and you picked, um, of all things, a, a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering. Why did why did you, did, were you interested in chemical engineering? And let's, ta- you know, tell me a little <laughs> bit about that.
1: So it's kind of funny story how I picked that major. I did not even know what chemical engineering was when I picked it. I just had a conversation with a career advisor at Texas A&M. And he just asked me, like, what do you like to study? And I just said, chemistry and math. 'Cause I love science, you know. And he was like, Well, do you wanna make a lot of money? So like, Yes, of course. So like Well, then maybe you should major in (laughs) chemical engineering. (laughs) Because that's one of the highest uh one of the highest level paid job at the time to be an engineer. And I was like, okay, it's chemical engineering. It sounds interesting, but I did what I didn't know at that time was that the school Texas A and M has a lot of funding from petroleum companies. So chemical engineering major at that school was very similar to petroleum engineering. Because in our senior, junior, and senior projects, we had to do a lot of real-life projects for these companies that's sponsored by these companies, and that's the reason why chemical engineering in Texas A&M is very similar to petroleum engineering, even though in other schools. like in the MIT, the Chemical Engineering Department of MIT, because they in Boston, they got a lot of sponsors from pharmaceutical companies, so their projects are much more similar to biomedical engineering, and that's the reason how it led me to biomedical engineering. So it depends. And you know, the mm-hmm. chemical engineering is very broad. It's it can be connected to so many different types of um, engineering, even with IT, even with um, um, mechanical engineering, and that's the reason why when you a lot of engineering courses are pretty similar for um, the sophomore year and junior years. So once you already have this core background then you can choose your specific major. It's more specialized. Uh, you can go to any specific major, yeah. yeah.
0: Why did you choose the um, Texas A&M? Did, were you, when you first came to America, did, did you end up in Texas?
1: No, I actually was in New Mexico my first year in high school. And I had one of the best time of my life in New Mexico because everything is so different there compared to vietnam and i just loved it so much i i really love that thing I, I really think probably that's the reason why it's called new mexico is because it's so different than the rest of america <laughs> um it's so cute the houses they're just adorable so i had my first year in high school in new mexico then i moved to illinois for my community college because, like I said, I didn't graduate high school. It was one of the, the college in Illinois was one of the few colleges that allow you to do um, dual degrees. That means you can continue to do high school, like just take courses just so you can do GED. Why taking college classes as well, so you can earn those credit to attend university later on.
0: When did you decide to move? I mean, once you graduated from Texas A&M, and and you kind of got away from the petroleum side of engineering, Mm -hmm. you you, uh, wanted to pursue more of a master's degree in the uh, biomedical. Uh, can you help us yeah. understand what that is? I, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about, obviously, and I want to see how alchemy plays into all of this, including that in life, because it is so intricate. Alchemy is, I mean, yeah. when you look back on alchemy, it's got a history to it, and, and I kind of want yes, to, to that. Yes, because but. it's
1: actually science as well. Like, you know, my background is chemical engineering and how I ended up being, like, um, in alchemy, Uh, So after I graduated from Texas A&M because I didn't want to get involved in petroleum engineering. First of all, because I didn't feel confident working in this field, it wasn't any of my interests. When I was in senior year, I knew that being in chemical engineering was the wrong major for me because I hated all my senior courses. I I struggle in my senior course for that reason. So I took a leap of faith and I applied for a research position, research assistant position at, at MIT. <clears throat> um, I think this was synchronicity that happened because I happened to know a friend who knows someone at nit that was hiring and they passed on that uh, job position to me so it was like an internal uh, direction it was an any of job application online. And when I read the, the description of the job in the research and I just thought it was just so innovating and it was just so exciting, like how they was trying to um, not cure but create long-term treatment for type one diabetes using um, cell encapsulation. It's very interesting research, and I was so honored to be part of that research because it's one of a really big research at the MIT in Chemical Engineering Department at MIT at the time. And it was under a very famous professor from uh, from MIT, and he's very well known in the uh, biomedical and pharmaceutical industry so I was thrilled I I was very lucky to get that job considering that I didn't do very well in my undergrad (laughs) I I didn't think my GPA was very high so I was surprised that they decided to hire me for that position Um, they said that they like my response to their their research, they tested me a little bit. It was because I love research, but in my senior classes, we didn't do any research actually. It was more like plant design and uh, safety design for chemical plants and petroleum plants. But my strong expertise was in research. So they really liked my response and they decided to hire me for that decision. And I worked on that research for two years at MIT. So that's how it got me to be interested in biomedical engineering, even though I was working in chemical engineering lab. But after I got to work on biomedical project because the, the, the research was Somewhat in the between, it's like uh, the marriage of chemical and biomedical, and a little bit of biology. Um, because it was, we was conducting the research of drug delivery, how the how the drugs that we encapsulated was delivery into the animal bodies. Um, that's that's really the result that we wanted to obtain. Yeah. So you have to understand a little bit of biology, how the body really works animal body, not human body, because we study on rats and mice at that time. Um, and then you will have to understand the biomedical aspect of it in order to understand the research, because the, the, um, the medical benefits of the drug in the house is impacts on the body. So that's how it got me to uh, biomedical engineering at Cornell because of that job. Um, and in grad school, I did so much better than chemical engineering because I love these research studies about stem cells about all the innovative uh, medical devices. I was really passionate about um, ICDs and uh, heart deliberator devices. Uh, I I love to study about heart diseases. It was very interesting. Um, And during that time, I had the opportunity to work on a prototype uh, for a pain management device. And that's how I realized that, oh, I'm, I enjoy being creative more than doing all the research. That's, that was the fun part for me. And I wanted to continue to work on uh, product and development or research and development for medical devices. And that's what I wanted to focus my career on. So, after I graduated from Cornell University, I decided to go back to Boston because it's one of the biggest cities uh, for medical devices and uh, pharmaceutical industry beside the Bay Area, which is in San Francisco. Um, so, I moved back to Boston hopefully that I would get a job there, and I was very persistent to live in Boston because I love the city. So eventually I landed a job at a really big hospital in Boston after nine months of job searching it was pretty gruesome at the time because I graduated just right after the, the recession in, I think it was 2008, 2009.
0: Yeah, 2008 area. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it was very difficult to find a job at that time. But I was lucky enough to have one job offer. And this the only one that would offer me an H1B visa to work and stay in the US. Because I was on Uh, international student visa, we say an F1 visa the whole time from Texas A&M to Cornell University. So in order for me to continue to stay and work after one year of graduation, then I would have to switch my visa. That means I would have to have an employment. Mm -hmm. So I got my job offer after Nine months was still less than one year. And in order to have a job offer, the employer would have to provide H-1B visa for international worker. And at the time, it was a huge deal to get H-1B. There was a lot of restriction around H-1B visa. Uh, They restricted the quota so the last number of h1b and there's only a certain period of time within the year that the employer can apply for h1b so if you are employed outside of that window you would have to wait for the next year when that window when they open the quota for you to apply and then you have to wait for a certain period of time for them to approve it. Um, so if your, your student visa expires before that window's open, it can be issues, you know? Mm. So, <laughs> mm. so it's, very, it's very, very complicated. That's the reason why a lot of employers were shy from hiring international students or international worker because they didn't want to deal with all that mess. Um, even They also have to pay for it, but the cost is not that major. It's only a few thousand dollars for them to, uh, to pay for the H-1B visa. And sometimes they actually deduct that cost yeah. into your salary. So often um, H-1B workers get lower salary for that reason and it was for that that reason.
0: Which is unfortunate because they're putting you to work and and they wouldn't be able to hire your expertise or your experience without you being there. They're able, you know, they should pay you for that. Uh, that's That's kind of unfortunate in that regard. How does alchemy play into all of this?
1: So I wasn't very happy with the job that I got at the hospital and i questioned a lot about my life at that time like why did i suffer so much going to work and having anxiety every day like i really stuff myself with like so much coffee and sugar treat before going to work um just just to ease myself down um and the hospital environment. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It is very stressful, um, very demanding. Because I, I, I was, I was working as a clinical engineer there. So it's like, um, and it is within the biomedical engineering sector. It's not, it's related, but the job, wasn't anything related to what I studied and what I learned. So I basically have to learn everything from scratch, from the beginning. Uh, All about IT network actually barely have anything to do with any any knowledge that I learned in school. Um, So it was, first of all, frustrating and stressful because of the environment. And my boss was not very nice. Um, And because I didn't like the job either, so a lot of things started to put pressure on me. So after a few months working in the hospitals, I realized this wasn't for me at all, this path wasn't for me. And I was so afraid of losing my H-1B visa. So for an international worker to stay in the US, you would have to have a visa. With H-1B visa, the tricky thing is that if you lose your employment, you would have to leave the country right away. There is no law that states anywhere that you would have like um, a race period for a uh, between time in order for you to look for a job. No, it's kind of the hidden law. It's not very clear. The immigration law in the U.S. is very unclear for that reason. It's kind of very messy. A lot of things. It's really you don't really understand how it works.
0: Very convoluted. Very convoluted. <laughs>
1: So I was really worried every day going to work. Like I knew it was going to happen because I had, um, I did something that upset my boss because I confronted him um, with a report and they actually, they asked me privately to quit the job, uh, which was not legal to do, To do that, that's um, that was retaliation uh, because they just wanted to get back to me. So that's why I was afraid. If I was going to leave the country, I would lose everything. And at that time, i I already lived in the U.S. for twelve years Uh, after studying from high school and Mm -hmm. for almost seven years in school, uh, yeah. so that was about 12 years for me being in the U.S. at that time. So I kind of considered it my home and I wanted to settle there in the country and I have my eye on the green card and it was the reason why I wanted to have the H1B and I wanted to have a master degree just so I could make myself more valuable to employer and the the, the market at the time. It would be easier to get sponsorship once you have higher degree and higher status. Hmm. Um, but since my first job didn't go really well, and I could see how I was very much chasing that Marine and that freedom. But eventually I feel more and more restricted. So I was questioning like why, whether what I was doing is right and whether I actually would have freedom in this country that I thought was free for me because mm-hmm. it was when I was 17. Because that was like, my gate to freedom but it wasn't anymore at that time so during this time um when i was about to lose my job i stumbled upon this book called alchemy because i was searching for uh, a guidance i was searching for something that could help me to understand all of this about my life like why wasn't I happy? Why? I did everything right. You know, I studied so hard in school and I did all my best to please other people, uh, to please my bosses, but nothing really worked. So I went to uh, Boston Bar- Bar- Novels a lot to search for a book, self-help book. Um, to read and like to search for an answer because I was so frustrated about my life. I was so afraid that everything would be stripped off of me that everything that I was trying to build for more than a decade. Then this book, The Alchemist was recommended to me several times by my friend. Uh, So I I downloaded the book, and I read it. And I thought it was very fascinating. The storyline was very intriguing, and it reignited my passion for traveling. Now, at the time, I didn't understand what alchemist was. <laughs>
0: yeah, it did, I, and, how, and how that applies to what you're doing now, because you're you're kind of a nomad now, and, and you live a van life. Mm-hmm. So you kind of... Um, how does alchemy, let's talk, what is the definition of alchemy? I know it goes way back. There's a history of it. Um, there's mm. some wisdom to it. And sometimes when we look yeah. at the movies, we see, we see they, they have the evil alchemist over there trying to turn gold uh, from silver into gold, or lead into gold, I guess. Um, so how does so it play? The, the
1: concept of alchemy is very metaphorical. Um, Of course, it's related to chemistry, that's why it's called Mm -hmm. alchemy, but alchemy actually means God. So, alchemy is the process of transmutation and transforming of one object into something else. That's why we were taught alchemy is turning lead into gold, because that's like a heavier metal and gold is like a lighter and more precious metal. So metaphorically speaking, turning less is like turning a heavier self, like an old self into a higher self when it applies, when you use that concept to apply on human evolution. So alchemy is a concept that teaches you to transmute and transform yourself and let go of your impurity which is the indication of indoctrination negative beliefs um, and like emotional baggage on your body in order to help you improve um, to find more peace and freedom within yourself to be more in touch with who you are as a person and with your spiritual being. So, the concept of alchemy is more like a spiritual concept to tissue, to grow as a person. But if you observe nature, you will see that alchemy happens everywhere because it's, alchemy is changed and everything in nature is changing, the season is changing the the flowers the trees the plants everything is growing and everything constantly transform from one form to another and we human we are, have all the part of physical chemical biological but we also energetical and spiritual as well okay and we have all of these elements of earth air fire water within earth and all these forms have to change transmute because all of that contents within earth that's why we are part of this alchemical process and that's why understanding the concept and and the principle is so essential for you Uh, to understand how you grow, how your soul grow um, in the human evolution and how the collective, us, the world, grow all together. Because we are also part of the collective.
0: And Um, that's that's interesting how that all plays together. Is that when um, you realized that you had to let go of the societal, parental, and the cultural expectations to learn what? Actual freedom is, it's not just the word freedom, but the feeling of freedom, the, the wanton mm-hmm. of freedom, Does it all plays together like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wanted the freedom, right? That was the reason why I, I wanted to chase higher status. Um But the more I was chasing material status, the more I was being restricted
0: because like, it didn't make sense, <laughs> well, it well, was not working. Yeah, I think material status sometimes steps in our way because we want, everybody wants something material. You want a money, you want a big house, you want, I personally don't want a boat, but you know, people want a boat or they want a nicer car or they want something that's very physical and they yearn for it, they seek it, they strive for it, they try to manifest it and sometimes it's blocked because they have focused so much on that so from Mm -hmm. your perspective you kind of you kind of let that go right
1: i had to i had to let it go um i had to let my life in the u.s go because it didn't work for me anymore and because i i didn't think i would have the freedom there but when i faced that fear of the fear of shame, the fear of failure and shame because my family had had expectation of me and I kind of went home with nothing. That was when I actually finally obtained the true freedom because I, I let go of what was holding me back. Um, and that, that to me, in my book, I refer as, as the first stage of alchemy, the stage of calcination. Um, the, the calcination happens to push you to let go all of um, materialistic obsession. The 3D uh, reality of life, like the 3D paradigm. And how you look at life um, and push you into a whole new direction if you choose to go along with it. And a lot of people that was in my situation as well, that I know of, um, they wouldn't choose to do what I did. <laughs> so I know that when the calcination happens, um you do have the free will and the choices to either go with it or go against it and still try to cling back to that um materialistic paradigm
0: right is that is so, that what is that what gave you the motivation to move to Canada
1: yeah for sure. It was because I didn't want to stay in Vietnam. So after I left the U.S. because I I did lose my job, so I had to leave the country. I moved back to Vietnam. Um, I didn't think that I could thrive in Vietnam because my desire was to travel the world. I knew that my passion was to travel the world. I wanted to be a nomad. I wanted to explore the world but being in Vietnam wouldn't give me that opportunity. So that's why I applied for my immigration to Canada and I was thrilled to be accepted within only one year and a half. It was actually a friend of mine recommended me to immigrate to Canada. I did not even Think about
0: it. <laughs> okay. I I mean, it was
1: close enough. It was close enough
0: to the U.S. Right. <laughs> Plus you can come over the, I mean, you would get a Canada, Canadian passport. You can come to the U.S. anytime. You know, other than COVID yeah. restrictions that, you know, obviously stopped that for a little while, but it gives you the opportunity to come across the border um, to explore mm-hmm. the United States. But you, know, you, you basically, um, you're, you, you're a nomad living I think you call it van van living, van, van dwelling. <laughs> van life. Yes. That's it. Yes. Van life. So how how is that um how does that play into I know that you say that alchemy is the blood and soul of you know, who you are. Does, does that uh van living help kinda contribute to that mode of living?
1: Oh yes. Definitely, definitely. But I didn't choose van life for that reason because I didn't understand alchemy and the, the, the concept of alchemy at that time. I I was just following my passion and I was just questioning like what lifestyle would I want to do when I go to Canada because I was in a blank slate, you know?
0: Right.
1: Um, do I want to go back and live in a corporate life like in the US? Do I want to go back like Doing that again in Canada, and the answer to me was very clearly no. So, like, what do I want to do now?
0: <laughs> and, and your answer, um, universe brings you your answer.
1: Yeah, and so I, as I was researching on YouTube um, to see like what was interesting to me, and that's how I came to the picture. And I thought it was fascinating because. Uh, the the benefits or the benefits that it would offer to me because I have my dog with me as well. I adopted my dog in Vietnam, so it gave me privacy and I didn't have to have a roommate that could tolerate a dog. Um, And because the biggest reason for it was because it would cut down living expenses. So I didn't have to work full time and I would have time with my dog and just to explore myself because my question back then was, what's my life purpose? What's the meaning of my life once I lost all of that? You know, this has to be something. My life has to mean something. Otherwise, why do I exist? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think we
1: <laughs> so all ask I, that question. So I, I wanted to find the answer for it and for that, I I wanted to follow my passion and what interests me. And so I just started doing what I enjoy doing, what I was interested in at the time. I was curious about being a barista, so I applied for a job to work as barista specifically. So I got the job at Starbucks very easily and quickly. So Like, let me check it out, what it means to be a barista because I love coffee and I was thinking maybe I would get a coffee shop one day. Um, So I just used my time to learn and explore all my interests, my hobbies, my passion. And when life was able to afford me to live such a lifestyle, free lifestyle for that reason. And I checked all my time and opportunities I had to travel. uh, to go to remote places and explore DC is a gorgeous, absolutely like out of this world beautiful province. I it's insanely imagine. beautiful in DC. So I I just explore my heart out, really. Um and all this time that I go to remote places, like very remote places and just It's like my little retreat um, beside work because I had a very flexible job at that time. During the winter time, I get to work more and I save up because I didn't get to travel. and In the summer time, I work only part-time and I travel all the time. And all this time being in nature, it was incredibly healing for me. And something happen it's kind of like magic when you go into nature and it just got you to be so much more in touch with yourself and so much more in touch with uh model earth nature as well and that's how it got me to uh dig deeper into my questions in my life and i questions everything like all the existence of my life Um, and how I wanted to know how the universe works. I I wanted to to learn more about life. And the more I questioned, the more it led me into the spiritual journey, even though I didn't know anything about spirituality. But I think just the fact that I live such a lifestyle, that it led me on a healing journey Um, naturally, inadvertently, uh, inadvertently, that I did not know about. Now, looking back, when I wrote my book, I realized that's that's part of the process of alchemy. Um, That that part of the process that helped me to grow, uh, even though I wasn't aware of it. And, you know, like being in nature is very grounding. And a lot of research has already proved how grounding is actually very healing for your energy body It cleanses your aura uh, it's you to the earth and it's helped you to be more balanced so now all of that makes sense to me how this lifestyle has helped me heal tremendously within myself and not just that it's the people that come into my life they they wanted to know me for me, so it's like the relationship with the people, uh, with me and my friends, are a lot more authentic as well. So ever since I lived this lifestyle, it's completely took me on a whole different adventure, a whole new path. Not just of the nature healing aspect of it, but A lot of challenges that kind of throw at me that push me to grow it definitely pushed me out of complex zone, to be and to be very creative with problem solving (laughs) um
0: (laughs) i say I, i think it would was it difficult to kind of adapt to that kind of living i mean we all grow up with I mean, when I was a kid, we'd go camping a lot, but that was always vacation time for us. But you had to adapt from um, like a house or an apartment or something that was solid that you come home to every day, you know, that you know is going to be there, that you some nowadays you pay an exorbitant amount of money for in regard to it. Was it difficult to adapt from that to living in a van for a while?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. It took me almost half a year to adapt. Right. It wasn't easy in the beginning. Um, it was not because I couldn't drive such a big van. I, right. I moved into it and I was a, I'm, I'm always a very good driver. So driving a big vehicle wasn't a big deal for me, but it was like, I had to figure out where to park. Uh, <laughs> because I wasn't very familiar with Vancouver. I just immigrated there. I gave myself three months to uh, to find a van in Vancouver. And during that three months, I was renting a place, and I didn't have a vehicle when I was in Vancouver, so I didn't know like what it was, what it would be like to park in Vancouver, like to have like an overnight place to park. Um. And I was afraid of using my portable toilet, <laughs> so I had to figure it,
0: out that would be an interesting how to do. <laughs> interesting adaptation <Yeah. laughs>
1: i couldn't Excuse I couldn't you. do number two in in my bed. I had to use public toilet all the time and i, I That be
0: that'd be my wife <laughs> that's that's my wife. It's like, yeah nope, not doing it here. You find me a bathroom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I had a hard time at just with that. Um, but eventually I did. I had to stay at night. I had to stay very close to McDonald or Tim Hortons, like all 24 four seven businesses, just so I can use public washroom.
0: Yeah, my, wa- my wife and my daughters both, we go on a trip someplace <laughs> and they say, we're gonna stop at this gas station. No, we're not gonna stop at that gas station. We need a better place. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I was definitely like that. I was quite high maintenance for sure. Um, so I, but I struggled to sleep because like in those neighborhoods, those spaces is always very noisy with people going in and out, you know? Right. Uh, so the first couple of months I couldn't sleep very well and I was very tired all the time. Uh, and then I had to figure out like where to get showers. Uh, where to get water, <laughs> where to get propane. So, so all that so I wasn't very familiar with like the, how actually RV and these vehicles actually operate, not like how to drive it, but like in-house, how to operate in-house. So obviously, the things that I have to figure out over time. Uh, so for the first couple of months, like I, I spent time doing that, learning all like how to live
0: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, and how to manage this lifestyle and all the facilities that uh, public facilities that available at that time so I can go get shower. I don't have shower in my van. Um, so until I was able to figure a system that works for me then I was able to really fully enjoy this lifestyle and it took me uh, roughly half a year to well, to finally get adjusted and feel comfortable with it yeah.
0: well, how, I know you you wrote a book and um because we 've talked about it we 've shown it on screen. Um, was it difficult to write a book while you're while you 're van living while you're van traveling how did you How did you write the book?
1: I never thought I would be a writer or an author, you know so I was actually planning to have like a coaching program and the book was part of the coaching program um how to live the van life (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the book was going to be about my van life but during the time of writing the book i stumbled upon this show called mystery teachings uh is from gaia network i don't know if you're familiar with gaia it's kind of it's kind of like Netflix, but more for like uh, spiritual documentaries and teachings. Right. So this show was presented by Teresa Bullard. And um, it was about how to use tarot, uh, not how to use, but understand the major arcana of tarot. Uh, I was interested in tarot at that time. and I, I wanted to learn more about it. So I watched the show, And I didn't know the I didn't know how tarot was related to alchemy, and when she was explaining the symbolisms and the meaning of the mandala wheel, uh, using the 22 uh, major arcana of tarot to depict the hero's journey on the mandala wheel then i realized that it was so related to my journey like everything she said was just a lie a lie and she tied it into alchemy uh these each of these stage on the mandala wheels um, are part of these uh, stages of alchemy so that's how i got to come to understand the spiritual concept of alchemy and how it was applied um, to my life the whole time, but I wasn't aware of it. That's why I said alchemy is like a natural process, and it happens to everyone. Uh, But I was fortunate enough that I had um, an internal guidance that helped me to navigate through these stages of alchemy and i didn't get stuck on the first or the second stage and i i realized i was on the right path and i was accelerating um, through the stages of alchemy and by understanding the tarot it helps me to understand clearer uh, the meaning and the wisdom the lessons that I learned along the way. And it helped me to put all the pieces together. And I could see the patterns of my life and why I desire to have freedom, why I had to go through that struggle, that challenge in the U.S. to let go of that old lifestyle and embark on a new life journey to being here in the vent life, and now I understand why vent life, <laughs> because right. it's led me to a very spiritual healing journey that I did not know about. Uh, but I don't know how I got out of that internal gadgets, that's still a mystery to me. <laughs> as that's
0: the universe talking.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it was because I decided to listen to my heart, and that was the first lesson i learned from the alchemist book that was the most important message and it appeared uh in my life just at the right time when i was struggle in the u.s and it was telling me you have to listen to your heart and just follow your passion and how that guided me that was the compass guided me all the way and i i decided to take a leap of faith and um, took that advice, and I follow it, and how that's how it led me here. So if anyone asked me how to make decision I made your decision on their life, I would always turn out, just listen to your heart. you know is is I wasn't raised to be that way i I was raised in a very strict conservative family an Asian family. we very Left brain, we mm-hmm. very analytical, and because my background is engineering as well, so my whole life I was trained to make decisions based on logics, and to, um, to to make decision by the heart was very strange and was very foreign to me. But because everything didn't work for me at that time uh, in my life, so. I just said, why not give it a try, you know? I was very open-minded to try everything because I was at the blank slate. I didn't have anything to lose. So it's easy for me to do that. But of course, for people who stay in conflict zone, it's, it's like a risk for them to, mm.
0: uh,
1: to, to go into the unknown to take that leap of faith because they don't, they don't know what it would be like, but anything in the unknown zone would always come with possibilities.
0: Very you true. Know, yeah, very true.
1: Yeah. So if you know, in your complex zone, if you know something's not working for you, then yeah, that definitely um, take that chance to do something differently. And that's what happened to me. And that's how it got me to understand spirituality and alchemy and eventually writing this book, because I think it's so relatable to people. And I know that a lot of people may go through this as well. And I think that how the alchemy process, um, Happens in their life can be very unique, and it can be very into um, individualistic. It may not be the same like me, mm-hmm. but there's a process, there's a stage there. So that's why I wanted to share my story, like what it would be like, what it would look like to grow and to go through these stages of alchemy, just so that they can apply it and reflect it on their life. That's why I include the journal prompts along the way at the end of every chapter to help the readers to reflect, not just read my story for inspiration, but to help them To understand where they are in the process as well, because having awareness and perception is the first thing that you would need to make a change in your life.
0: Exactly. I mean, you call the book name of the book is "Living Through Alchemy: A Transformational Journey in Freedom," which is obviously what you um, have done. I mean, and you, you kind of, uh, you take a marriage of, as you say, the marriage of art and science through the tampering process of your spiritual knowledge and practical living experience. And I think, um, here is for the people who are watching this, here's a, a, a screenshot of the, uh, the book covers and a little bit more about what it, uh, it is. So tell us a little bit about how, Um, how you can find this and how we can find you in order to get this book. Because I think from what we've talked about in your journey, you give an opportunity for us as human beings to be able to recognize that we have the ability to uh, use alchemy to manifest change within our lives.
1: Yeah, so my book is now available on Amazon. It's called Living Through Alchemy. So I do have a website livingthroughalchemy.com that people can go to and download the first chapter of the book, which I give an overview of what alchemy is and the spiritual concept of alchemy. So they can have like a overall picture of what this uh, spiritual and philosophical teaching is all about. Then the subsequent chapters, I go into my own story, sharing my life experience living through these stages, make it clear for the reader to understand uh, what it's like in practical living, how it actually happened, how it manifested in my life, so they can visualize it um and applied it and get to and reflect it and get to understand more about their life journey at the time so yeah people can check me out on my website living through alchemy and it's available ebook paperback and hardcover as well
0: (laughs) that's fantastic i you know really appreciate you you kind of coming on here and joining in sharing your journey with me. This is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom that uh, you can share with our listeners and our viewers?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, my first and most important lesson for me was to listen to the heart. And I cannot emphasize enough for your listeners and readers in general to really start taking a leap of faith, uh, believing in their intuition and in their heart, because it's it's the internal compass to guide you on your own healing journey. Sometimes I hear people say that um, they know that they have problems in their life and they want to fix it, but they go through so many courses and nothing is fixed and they spend so much money. And nothing really works um and i think that happens because they haven't really tuned into their intuition and their heart to guide you where exactly that they need to go and what exactly that they need to do and who exactly that they need to learn from to heal all of this and so i think it's and start by understanding your passion your hobbies and um, start from the ground and be patient with it and not afraid going into an unknown because the unknown is where we can create the possibilities and the realities for something new. And so it all starts with your heart first because that's where we connect with the universe, with the quantum field, and that's all within us. And so, allowed it to guide you which path that you should take um, on your healing journey, on your path of enlightenment to freedom because everyone's path is different. No one is the same even though you can learn from other people and other courses. Uh, somehow you have to be adaptable and make it work for yourself and have your own system. And that's how you can heal.
0: Those are excellent words of wisdom. I really appreciate those. It kind of reaches down to the core of my soul. So thank you very much for those words of wisdom and for sharing your journey with us here on the program, Vivi. I really appreciate you taking the time with me.
1: Thank you, Michael.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on this conversation. I really appreciate you all. Don't forget to, too, go to the App Store or the Google Play and download our free app, One More Thing Before You Go podcast, wherever you can. You can hold a unique access to everything, One More Thing Before You Go. It was developed and provided by SuperPass, our sponsor. If you love us as much as we do, please support us. We do have merchandise available and a unique that are unique to one more thing before you go and both inspiring and motivational. Tell someone what you wanted to say before it's too late before. You don't have the opportunity to say it again, do what you want to do with them say what you want to say with them. It's always one more thing before you go. You always have one more thing to say, have an exciting year coming up. Please subscribe and follow us on all the platforms, including here on uh, YouTube You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram and everywhere else. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a
1: unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise,